You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind the Omni Group's award-winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. Music? I'm your host, Brent Simmons, and I am massively relaxed today because I just got out of a massage, which is one of my favorite perks of working at Omni. That and the food. Good, good grief. In the studio with me today is Ken Case, the CEO of the Omni Group. Say hello, Ken. Hello, Ken. Thank you. Today, we're doing a special episode. We're looking back at last year and looking forward to what's coming this year. So fair warning, it might be more than 30 minutes, might be a lot less, depends, we'll just see. So, Ken, last year was a spe- special year and that it was Omni's 25th anniversary. Our listeners want to know, was there a cake? I've forgotten. Was there a cake? I don't even know. <laughs> do do we have a cake? Uh, we do celebrate releases with a game day often, but right. there may not have been a cake. Maybe there was. I don't know. I, I don't know. We uh, There was a graphic on our homepage. Yeah, that I remember. Right. Fancy yeah. graphic, yeah. too. Yeah. Nice pinball-inspired neon graphic. Captures the essence of the company I think, very well. <laughs> I, I liked that. That was cool. So what did we get done last year? 2017. 2017. We got done... Free downloads. We changed the way our licensing for our apps works. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of a big change, and it was something that was uh, that we had to think about for a number of years before we finally landed on that solution. Um, and now that it's done, I've almost forgotten about it, right? Because <laughs> right. it's just part of the environment now. Yeah. But um, but for years we had been thinking about how we sell our software in the app store, and we were thinking about the problem of uh, how do we offer upgrade discounts? How do we offer free trials? How do we offer uh, price protection? So if somebody buys um, OmniFocus 2 today and then we ship OmniFocus 3 tomorrow, um, do they have to ask Apple for a refund? Do they have to ask us for a refund? You know, but, or can we give them a free upgrade, which is what we've always done on our own store? Uh, and so finally where we landed was, well, let's separate the original download cost that's in the App Store, which we have uh, where we can only offer a single fixed price from the um, from the cost of unlocking the the features of the app, um, and uh, make, so we make that now an in-app purchase, and we let you download the app for free, and that lets you do a free two-week trial, and it lets us provide upgrade discounts where we provide uh, where you can prove that you own an earlier version, and um, and then we uh, give you a fifty percent discount on on your upgrades and it lets us do price protection so that when, um, you know, all the people who've bought Omni, uh, outliner two in the last year will, will now be receiving a free upgrade to Omni outliner three for iOS, uh, when it ships next month. Ah, so sounds like a win for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Was it, uh, difficult engineering wise to go through all this in-app purchase stuff? There was a lot of, a lot of sort of detail involved. I bet. And testing the different flows. Yeah. Yeah. And suddenly, um, you know, we try to make it simple from the uh, customer's perspective, where we show you really sort of one, uh, two options for buying the app, and then the free trial option. But behind the scenes, those two options for buying the app are actually something like twelve in-app purchases or fourteen. You know, depending for all oh, these wow. different scenarios of uh, have they already purchased. Uh, the standard version now they're unlocking Pro, or uh, mm-hmm. are they and were they a prior owner or not? And just wow. all these different variants end up um, being a lot of complexity. And then we have to test all of those different paths and, and 
make sure that they're all. I feel lucky that I personally didn't come anywhere near any of this. <laughs> yeah. wow, that's that's difficult, but well done. It seems to be seems to be working. I it guess. it has helped a lot. The um, there are still a few rough edges, and uh, and I would love to straighten that. I'd love to straighten out. In particular, um, one of the issues that we ran into with in-app purchases is that they are incompatible with the volume purchase program that Apple offers for businesses. Mm. So businesses who are trying to license our apps uh, now can't use the uh, the technique that Apple is steering them towards for buying apps. And, and, oh, okay. And, um, and so that is <laughs> an issue yeah. that we have yet to resolve. That's right. the big one. Um, but yeah. Um, but overall, it continues, so, yeah. uh, our customers have been much happier, um, and the feedback has been great about you know being able to get the discounts now to be able to try our apps before they buy them and so on. Cool. So last year we shipped OmniGraffle 3 for iOS, which I should point out is my wife's favorite Omni app. She uses it on her iPad to design quilts. Oh, nice. So, yeah, yeah. all the time. She often asks me, oh, how do I? And I, I don't know because I, <laughs> I work on Outliner and Focus, but but she loves that app. So uh, how, how did that release go? I think it was a really great release. We uh, we introduced a lot of big things. So it was the... That was where we brought our free downloads, uh, free trials, and so on approach to iOS. Also brought the sort of new iPad um, three-pane experience for the iPad Pro that we had designed um, to OmniGraffle. So now you could work on shapes and see their attributes um, without having to bring up a, uh, a popover that, that showed those details and then dismiss it and then bring it up again and, sh- and dismiss it as you... Uh, switch between your canvas and the uh, the object details. So this is like slide-in panels? Slide-in panels, yeah, uh, panels. Mm-hmm. Um, one for navigation on the left and one for um, for editing the object details on the right. Mm-hmm. And uh, It is a lot nicer than popovers. Yeah, and it's, and it's what we're moving towards now for, uh, for well, for out, Outlander 3 and so on. But that's, mm-hmm. that's the future part. We'll talk about that later. Oh. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Outliner, we did ship Outliner 5 for Mac. Big upgrade. Uh, I worked a little bit on that, or quite a bit on that. And uh, I don't remember what Outliner 4 was like, because I've been working on <laughs> Outliner 5 for quite a while. But I was really pleased with that, how that turned out. Yeah, me too. I think uh, it was a really good uh, good release. A lot, of, uh, a lot of features that people have asked for for years uh, and made it into Outliner now, like being able to have persistent filters on your... Uh, on your outline rows that uh, that show you certain details and let you you can switch between them, you can save them, customize them, and uh, I think you've worked on some of that. A lot of great customization options there, um, uh, as well as adding features like uh, statistics about what you're writing, so you have word counts and so on. Um, also, long requested, and um, the ability to keep your writing in the center of your of your window instead, oh, yeah. uh, instead of always. Uh, we used to have this problem, problem. Yeah, yeah, where you're stuck writing at the very bottom of your your screen yeah, all the time. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that was the the pro version for the customers that we already had who had been asking, you know, for new features. But the other big thing that we did in Outliner Five is we introduced a new essentials version, a low cost version that's uh, that's just ten dollars. And that version uh, is much much simpler and easier to use. And we uh, the hope is that that will let uh, and give people a nice entry point to outlining if if it's not something they're familiar with, an application category they're familiar with. Outlining always seems to me to be the kind of thing that if you don't know about it, and then one day you go to use it, you're like, 
how did I not have this all along, right? It's just, yeah, it seems like a fundamental app that everybody needs. It's one of the apps I live in all the time. Yeah, so. right. Let's talk about OmniFocus. Last year we did faster syncing with large attachments, which sounds like a small thing, but I'm, I'm assuming to some of our customers that's a really, really huge issue. Yeah, I, so one of the, the big support requests that we were dealing with were uh, related to how long it would take to sync data. And one of the big problems that we had uh, before we made this change into OmniFocus was that if you attached a bunch of, uh, bunch of attachments, big or small really, but it, it's the total size that mattered, from time to time we would coalesce the history of all of the changes that you made into one new, we call it a root transaction, a new starting transaction uh, that represents your database. And whenever we did that, this new transaction would include all of the data that you'd written up to that point, including all of these big attachments. So from time to time, we would uh, be writing all of those attachments back to the server all over again, and then every one of your devices would have to download them all over again. And this was a bunch of sort of needless transfer, which if you're syncing to a local local web dev server, uh, then that's not a big deal. If you're syncing to the OmniSync server from here in our office in Seattle, and it's also in Seattle, again, that's not a big deal. But if you're syncing to our servers from uh, from Europe or China, hmm. uh, then that could be pretty slow, or just over a slow network connection. Maybe you're on right. Mon- Montana somewhere or something. And so the uh, the change that we made was to separate out those attachments into their own separate folder that can then live uh, sort of persistently on the server, and each one of those attachments can be synced independently, and we don't have to. Oh, okay. Uh, to keep transferring them back and forth. So you're not copying them. You have a single copy and then reference them somehow. Right. Yeah. So that new root transaction just says, here's where you'll go find that attachment Mm -hmm. instead of actually including it. So we've got a lot for OmniFocus coming up in 2018, but what else did we do for OmniFocus last year? Well, we rolled out the same free downloads, of course, uh, that we talked about with Mm -hmm. OmniGraffle. But the big thing that we did... Uh, that sort of interrupted our planned schedule last year it was we we made a lot of changes for iOS 11. iOS 11 brought a lot of great changes to the platform uh, for productivity apps in particular. Uh, it brought system-wide drag-and-drop uh, between apps on iPads, but even on an iPhone, it's useful to be able to drag-and-drop tasks from one project to another inside OmniFocus. Mm-hmm. So we adopted that, and uh, you know it's really great now that you can just go to the mail app on an iPad, drag a message into OmniFocus, and you'll see uh, a new task created with the details of that message. And you get to drop it right into wherever you want. It doesn't have to go into the inbox. and hmm. uh, Just much, much better workflow uh, that has come out of being able to do this drag and drop. And, of course, we did that uh, not just for OmniFocus, uh, but we adopted iOS 11 uh, across all of our products. So you could drag and drop from OmniFocus to uh, OmniGraffle, or I should say, really the other way around. You drag like an OmniGraffle image into OmniFocus, and it would make sure, an attachment that you attach yeah. to a task. Or something. Everything gets dropped in OmniFocus eventually. It, yeah, that's yeah, usually that's the direction for. things go. <laughs> yeah, right. makes sense. Um, and and we had support, as I recall, for iOS 11 new features on day one with at least three of our apps. All of our apps, except for Omni Outliner, because we were right, uh, we were busy on Outliner three at that point. Right. Which, okay. And so. Um, we didn't want to slow down and go back and update Outliner 2 for a bunch of iOS 11 stuff that um, when we 
we knew everybody that was currently buying Omni Outliner 2 would be getting a free upgrade to 3 anyway when it yeah. shipped. So, uh, oh, that so policy it where it makes works sense. out for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's nice. Yeah. Did a little work with Siri last year too, I think. Oh, that's true. Yeah, in fact, that was the place we got mentioned in the keynote. Great. Always an exciting yeah. moment. <laughs> that was, um, Siri added a lot of support for third-party apps to, uh, to integrate with being able to manipulate lists, basically, using Siri. So now in Siri, uh, you can tell, you can say that I have OmniFocus remind me to um, do something when I get home or whatever. And now it will, uh, it will add that location-dependent task to OmniFocus. And then when you mm. get home, you'll get that reminder. Hmm. People seem to love Siri. I haven't gotten the hang of using it yet myself, but I'm like the only person, I think. <laughs> It, it varies, I think, how, how much I use it. I use okay. the remind me to do something feature for sure. Mm, okay. uh, that uh, really, I think that is the, the thing I've most often use Siri mm -hmm. for. I don't have Hey Siri turned on or anything because I, um, I value my privacy too much to have sure. something listening to me all the time. So, well, we, yeah, if we even say, if something as safe as if Apple we devices. say Hey Siri too much on this podcast, people complain because oh, well, yeah. we're waking up. Sorry about that. Uh, phones. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So we had a busy last year. So let's talk about 2018. All right. 2018. We're going to come out. Probably the first big thing will be Outliner 3.0 for iOS. Sort of. I mean, we've already, we have two minor things that we just shipped. Okay. Uh, OmniGraffle 7, 6 is what we sort of call the big stencils update. Ah, uh, BSU. Big yeah. stencils update. And if you haven't yet seen the uh, the video that uh, that we put up for that, that's a great uh, introduction that, sh that shows what the benefits are for, for this update. But basically, we did a lot to improve the workflow of using stencils, where stencils live uh, and uh, and how you can use them, how you can manipulate them, them edit them, and so on. So mm -hmm. uh, so I would definitely recommend people check that out. Uh, and of course, we have an OmniPlan update coming out. But uh, but yes, Outliner 3 is our biggest, like, it's the major product release that, that involves a product that... Uh, that sells for money, let's put it that way, as yeah, opposed to okay. being a free update, even though, yes, it's a free update to anyone who's bought in the last year. Um, yeah, Outliner 3 brings uh, Omni Outliner Essentials and Pro, that split to iOS for the first time. It okay. brings the sidebar, uh, the slide-in pane interface to, uh, to Omni Outliner on the iPad, so now you can uh, work with your outline and... Uh, see those details on either on the navigation side or on the uh, the details for your, uh, your task panes. It brings filtering, uh, ability to add and save filters, uh, and so on. All of those are there are some great new pro features. And for essentials, uh, you know, for people who are new to outlining again, it brings a nice low cost version of Outliner to the mm -hmm. platform. I really enjoyed working on it. It it has a great feel on iOS. Yeah. Uh, yeah, again, it's one of my most used apps. <laughs> yeah, and and I probably shouldn't say it out loud, but if I didn't work at Omni, I might just be tempted by Essentials because it really <laughs> is, you know, just a nice, cool, simple outliner. But listeners, you should get Pro. <laughs> <laughs> if you know an outlining, if you've used an outliner in the past, you probably should get Pro um, because it really does have a lot more capability than Essentials. But if you're new to outlining and you're not necessarily sure why you would care about filtering or why um, multiple columns might be useful, things like that, then 
then by all means, go for go for essentials and try it out. Now, with our in-app purchasing, could they buy essentials and then upgrade to Pro? Absolutely, uh, yeah. So, so you can always put off making that decision. So we give you full credit uh, when you upgrade from from essentials to Pro. In this case, we give you, you whatever you paid for essentials is discounted off the Pro price. Yeah, cool. OmniFocus. In some ways, it looks like this is going to be a huge year for OmniFocus. We're working on OmniFocus 3 for iOS and 3 for Mac. It tags. <laughs> We're switching to tags. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is kind of a long time coming. You know, OmniFocus is now 10 years old. It's hard to believe. It is hard to believe. <laughs> I, I remember Kinkless GTD like it was yesterday. Yeah. And when we, when we shipped OmniFocus, it was based around the GTD model, the getting things done model by David Allen. And that in that model, you have projects and you have contacts, and and there is a bunch of sort of terminology that is specific to to that model. I mean, not, it's not like those words were made up just for GTD, but right. other people who are not already familiar with GTD sometimes have a little bit of trouble wrapping their heads around what those things are and how you, they should mm. use them and so on. And so, the way that uh, that OmniFocus organizes tasks is you have. Uh, you break down your tasks into a project, an outline, basically. This started life in Omni Outliner as a set of scripts. So you build your outline of tasks, and then you assign different contexts to those tasks to say where you would like to be reminded about them, or what list you would like to see them on to, to get them done later. Um, so I might be working on a, a home remodeling project or something, and I need to go get some nails. Well, while I'm out running errands, I could also be picking up milk, which is for a totally different project. But I'd like to be rem- reminded of both of those things while I'm out running errands. So I put both of those things in an errands context. So that seems simple enough. But as uh, as people, you know, because it's unfamiliar terminology, I think a lot of people were just kind of confused about it. And a lot of people uh, for a long time have been asking us, well, could we just add tags to the program? And uh, because tags is now a very familiar concept that you can just add a tag to something and, and it will show up in that tag list when you, when you go looking later. Yeah. 10 years ago, it wasn't so common, but now... Tags now it's part of the base of... operating system, but it wasn't back yeah, then. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, tags, makes, is, I think, makes a lot of sense to, to call it that way. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, to lift the restriction that uh, each task would only have a single context. Now they can have multiple tags. Mm-hmm. So. If you want to put it on your list for errands, that's great. And if you also want to put it on, uh, you know, tag it for today, then you can have a today list that you can see it in as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I think I think it might might have been Kurt Clifton who said something about having tags for different energy levels too. Yeah, like absolutely. If he's feeling energetic, he might do this, or you know, or some people use tags not, for right? energy level, for priorities, right? For yeah. Locations, I, yeah. It, um, my only caution would be, just because it's possible now to add as many tags as you want to a task, that doesn't mean that it's a good idea to go overboard with tagging everything, uh, you know, as much as possible. That the goal of capturing data at all into OmniFocus is to check it off, and if you're spending more time capturing it than you are checking it off, and getting the thing done itself, then um, then it's not a very good use of your time. Mm. It, that you want to get things out of this list, not curate a perfect list. So if you look at your to-do list as a garden, you're growing, that's wrong. But if you look at it at like bowling pins, you're right. (laughs) Okay. But that said, for some people, you know, if, if we don't let you organize the work that makes the most sense to you, um, then 
then we're getting in your way of getting those things done. So we wanted to give you the flexibility to make some of those choices and figure out what workflow works for you. Oh, that's cool. Uh, one, one change I saw coming, um, uh, my wife in particular has asked for, and that's manual sorting inside tags. So if you have like a today tag, you can actually put stuff in the order you want rather than assigning fake due dates or times to, to stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds really cool. It's, that's, I think, a pretty huge feature for, for at least some sub, set of people. As you said, in the past, you could kind of work around this by maybe setting due times at different times of the day that were earlier or later, or right. maybe you could set estimated times and then sort your task by their estimated duration. But all of those were, um, were just time wasters. It was getting in sure, your way instead yeah. of getting the task done. So now, um, yeah, it's great that you can just go to any tag, reorder it however you want. It only affects the order in that list, but it does remember it and it does sync it between devices. So oh, you can cool. set things, you know, that today tag up the way you want on your Mac. And then when you look at it on your iPhone later, you see those things in that list. Mm -hmm. So we're doing more with uh, flexible scheduling too. I understand we're working on um, enhancements to repeated tasks. Yeah. So dates of course are, are incredibly important in, in any task management system. And uh, one of our most common feature requests for years has been, uh, well, can, can we have more flexible ways of scheduling repeating tasks so that, uh, you know, maybe I have a, mi a meeting that happens every second Wednesday of the quarter. And, um, and so I can't just say I want to repeat this every three months the way OmniFocus 2 would allow because uh, that would be on a particular day of the month and that day is not always the Wednesday. Right. So, uh, so we wanted to, uh, to add more flexibility to how how you could schedule your your work but at the same time you know the more flexibility that we add if we're not careful that flexibility quickly turns into a very complicated interface hmm. it's, um, uh, that is intimidating or, or just distracting and hard to use so uh, so we also restructured the way that we do our uh, our schedule repeats so that we could um, avoid overwhelming people with a bunch of decisions that they might not care about. If I'm setting up a repeating task that happens every day, I don't need to worry about which week it is on the, of the month or something. Oh, right. right. You can hide that. Yeah. So we start out asking, uh, you know, do you want to repeat at all? And then we, we sort of ask the period and then we start to delve into the details of what that period is and, um, and whether that period is from uh, completion or, uh, or if it's on a sort of fixed, repeatable schedule. It's the very last thing we, we ask these days, instead of being the first thing that we ask the way we used to. Hmm. Okay. Which was sort of how we had implemented it, and so it made sense from our point of view, but it didn't make sense to ask that um, if it didn't matter. Like, sometimes you don't have to worry about that question, so mm -hmm. we might as well wait until the very end to so ask So this is a progressive disclosure, I guess. Is the yeah, the term, the term we call it, um, that's actually a term that... I learned what, what during the um, unveiling of the Aqua interface for Mac OS X, hmm. when the new save panels were introduced, and they talked about progressive disclosure of being able to, you know, enter a name into that save panel, but not show you all of the details of your folder hierarchy unless hmm. you wanted it. If you did want it, then right. there was a little expansion button you could hit, and you could then see those details. And so you still had all the flexibility that was possible before, but uh, but for simple tasks, all you had to do was pick a name 
hit return and you were mm-hmm. done. Or and, you, know, you could select a favorite location from a pop-up in that case. Mm-hmm. Ah, it makes sense to makes sense to adopt that. So we're doing more flexible notifications as well. Yeah, I imagine a lot of people have asked for different features about notifications. Well, maybe I should back up and note that OmniFocus started out its life without any notifications at all because the system um, didn't didn't start out with any notification APIs. Oh, yeah, right. When you were on the Mac there 10 years growl. ago, yeah. yeah, there was Growl. And we did support Growl, but, mm-hmm. um, but there was nothing built into the system that to the way it is now. And on iOS, there were no notifications at all to start with. If if your app wasn't running, then you, the app wasn't running. That was it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. And there was one app running at a time. There's no background. Right. Yeah. So, of course, we have added notifications uh, and we have adopted backgrounds, you know, all sorts of things over the over the years as the, uh, as the operating system has become more powerful. But... Uh, one of the areas where we realized we had a lot more options available now uh, than we did when when we last built notifications, or uh, in what you see when when you receive a notification. On, and I'm talking right now, particularly about on iOS devices and uh, on iPhones, where you can do uh, the deep pressing on on a, a notification. Mm-hmm. So now, when you see something. In the past, when we would send a notification, because we didn't want to overwhelm you with, say, 20 notifications at once for a project that was becoming due and it had 20 tasks in it and they right. they all were becoming due, we might say that this is becoming due and 20 more things, or mm-hmm. three more things or whatever. Uh, and that was because we were sort of limited in what we were able to put in the notification. We just had a message and uh, maybe some actions, a sound, mm-hmm. and that was about it. But now we can actually provide our own custom interface for that and so we we do and it will show you a list of all of those tasks in the context of uh of the project that's due so you get a a much much nicer uh picture of what's going on there will be a screen there well i guess by the time you're hearing this (laughs) listener uh there are screenshots on my blog posts yeah uh, that that show how this works uh we can also display a map for the location-based notifications so if oh that's uh you know you're you had a reminder to do something when you're at the Space Needle, then when you get there, we'll show you a map to where the Space Needle is from where you are. All satellites are surprisingly near the Space Needle often, <laughs> it seems like. Yeah. It's in walking distance from here, actually. It's true. Yeah. So we're five years into iOS 7. Is that a f- continuing to affect our designs? Is OmniFocus going to look or feel any different in the coming year? So thinking back again sort of to 10 years ago of OmniFocus when, uh, well, 10 years ago, we didn't have OmniFocus on the iPhone. Uh, nine years ago, we, uh, we did have OmniFocus on the iPhone, or nine and a half years ago. Wow. Um, because we were there at the launch of the App Store. And um, at that time, the the way apps were designed, of course, uh, looked very sort of photorealistic. You know, people were putting leather in their apps or or felt or different wood grains and so (laughs) on to try to make it look like the real-world objects that that they might be representing. In a lot of ways, all of those graphics, I mean, it was was beautiful in some ways, and it was also kind of distracting in some ways from letting you see the underlying structure of an app. Mm -hmm. Um, In OmniFocus 2, we were right in the process of doing our new uh, design. In fact, we'd already presented it at Macworld, uh, what our new design was going to look like. When Apple uh, 
announced iOS 7 and showed us their completely mm. different direction for iOS uh-huh. that, that moved completely away from all of uh, those skeuomorphic uh, designs. Mm. And instead, we had a sea of white everywhere. Yeah, with those thin fonts, too. Yeah, the, thin fonts, the betas, thin yeah. icons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, instead of icons being filled in, they were all sort of line art mm-hmm. and so on. And uh, it was a very clean look, and it was, I think it was an important... Um, Counter to where we had been. We had to bend the stick back, I think. Yeah, yeah, but it was a bit extreme (laughs) as well. So, uh, so while OmniFocus in OmniFocus two, we adopted a lot of that. Like, uh, you know, I said line art icons. We even some of the recommendations uh, from iOS seven's human interface guidelines were uh, to use font. Faces and font uh, uh, types to uh, indicate hierarchy instead of using things like indentation, which we'd been using before, or mm-hmm. icons that we'd been using before. Uh, okay. And so, for some of our customers, that uh, that was fine. But for others, they they felt like now they lost their roadmaps. Mm-hmm. Um, their eyes no longer had sort of a good sense uh, things to hang on to to give them a sense right. of place and where they were. And we tried to provide some of that in our app by changing uh, the colors subtly as you go from one section to another. So in projects, mm. the colors are different than when you're in the context list, for example, or right. in maps and so on. But but it's been five years now, and I think mm-hmm. Apple has certainly... Um, are we going back to Greenfelt? N- not, they oh, have okay. not come back to Greenfelt, right. but, uh, but they have started filling in their icons at least mm. and bringing in some more uh, subtle cues, that, visual cues that help you find your way around uh, mm. around the system. A little shading, a little indentation. Yeah. Occasional borders around things. Yeah. Yeah, I sometimes forget that I on some of my devices at least, on my iOS devices, I've turned on the accessibility feature that adds borders around buttons. Oh, yeah, right, <laughs> and yeah. so I forget sometimes that oh yeah, the basic experience doesn't even have those, doesn't right? You just have yeah. <laughs> some bare text laying out there and you're the only way you know it's a button is that it's tinted like a button. Yeah. Um, it looks great until, you know, I do find myself tapping on something or I want to do something and I have no idea where to tap. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so in, uh, in OmniFocus 3, we are, uh, we're coming back a bit ourselves. We're bringing back more icons. We're bringing back more indentation to help give you a sense of um, uh, that structure that, um, that the app has, mm-hmm. has always had. Uh, but maybe it wasn't as visible in OmniFocus. Just some of the classic techniques of user interface design, but without, but without some, not necessarily with Greenfelt. (laughs) That's sensible. So Omni automation, Omni JS, JavaScript on automation is, um, we've rolled it out in which of our apps so far? Right now it is in OmniGraffle 7 on Mac, Omni Outliner 5 on Mac, OmniGraffle 3 on iOS, and uh, it's in the current test flight builds of Omni Outliner 3. Uh, Omni Graffle 3 and Omni Outliner 3 on iOS. Okay. Yeah, it will be in, uh, in Outliner 3 when that ships next month. So, so Focus 3 will be, Omni Focus 3 will be getting this too, I imagine. Yes. I, I'm not sure whether it will be ready in time for 3.0. Like, I don't okay. necessarily want to hold 3.0 back if that's not ready yet, mm-hmm. but it's certainly part of the 3.1, 3.2 roadmap. Okay, so likely this year then. But this year, yeah. for sure, yeah. yes. Cool, that sounds good. 
And I imagine there would be a lot of focus users who would be quite happy to have some automation, particularly the ones who've been using Apple Script on their Mac. I expect um, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have always had a lot of strong automation support in in OmniFocus for the Mac, and people have been using that for years to do things like uh, manipulate templates or do reporting and so mm. on, and uh, you find out the stats of how uh, how many things they closed this week or, and so on. That mm. uh, I think being able to do that uh, in a dual platform way where it works on both Mac and iOS and so the same script will work in both places. Yes. Yeah. And cool. it will be fa- much faster than Apple script was. So that, mm. that will also be useful. Uh, and uh, I think, so yeah, I think it will be a very popular feature as, mm. it, as it rolls out. I like the choice of JavaScript because it's so much like the language people are most likely to know at least a little bit if they know any languages. Yeah. And in, in terms of scripting languages out there, I think it's, uh, it's the one most that is yeah. most likely for people to, be familiar with so. so are we doing any uh collaboration features Ooh, that is a big one yeah. <laughs> uh, yes we are not uh, again not for 3.0 okay and uh, i should back up and note omnifocus has been designed as a tool that helps people you know manage their own personal work it's not really designed as a tool for collaboration but for many of us, our work uh, involves collaborating with other people. Wow. That We're all introverts. We all wish it didn't, but it does. <laughs> yeah, unless we somehow manage to really be a hermit up on the mountain, which I <laughs> recently learned those people do exist. <laughs> so, um, wow. uh, then we probably have some things that involve uh, us waiting for somebody else to finish something or somebody else waiting for us to finish something. Mm-hmm. And... So while I don't think OmniFocus is the best tool for coordinating, you know, very large interdependent project schedules, and you know, uh, we make OmniPlan for that kind of work. Right. I do think that there's uh, there's a place for automatically relaying status updates between um, shared tasks for people. Hmm, okay. For specific tasks. So for OmniFocus three, what we're doing is we're adding support for linking tasks between unrelated databases. So I can hmm. have a task that I send you uh, and you'll receive it with its notes and attachments and due date, you know, sort of the, the essentials of the task. And I, when I send it to you, I'm proposing that our task should be linked and you can choose when you receive that, um, whether you want to accept that link or not. Okay. Uh, if you accept the link and you know, while those tasks are linked, we both get to see updates to that task. So, uh, if I check it off complete, then you'll see that, um, and vice versa. But it's just that specific task. In each of our tasks, in each of our databases, that task can live sort of wherever we want and have whatever relationship to other tasks that we want. So mm-hmm. maybe in my database, uh, I have a whole bunch of subtasks for that task, and I didn't send that those subtasks to you. I just okay. sent you, here's the, the overall status of, of this group of things. It's its, its own project. Um, and maybe in yours... Um, you're waiting for me to finish that before you take finish something else. And so it's uh, a step in one of your projects, uh, a sequential project, and so it's mm-hmm. blocking the other action from oh, becoming available. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. So I th- feel like that's a, a good way to let people continue to manage their own personal work however they wish. That other people are not somehow inserting themselves into my database or me into mm-hmm. their database and, and us arguing over what tags should exist right. or, right. uh, and so on. 
Um, but while solving the fun, the basic problem of making it easier to communicate shared status with between oh, that's people, cool. between collaborators. Yeah, it's it's peer to peer rather than having someone from above control your omnifocus and thereby what you do. Right, or uh, or just that. a big wild west database where we're both right. seeing a common shared database. Right, <laughs> Who sure, knows yeah. what's changed since the last time we looked? Yeah. Are we gonna do omnifocus for Windows? People always ask. <laughs> I gotta ask. Or Android. <sighs> it's the one time in the podcast where Ken has to say no. I'll say it for you. Uh, no, we're not doing OmniFocus for Windows or Android. How about no. the web? But we are, yes, we are going to bring OmniFocus to those screens. <laughs> yes, okay. I like that answer. You know, thinking back over all of these features that we're adding to OmniFocus 3, we've actually hit a lot of the things that the customers have asked us for over the years. Um, except for this last bit, which is, uh, what if I am uh, I'm at work? I'm forced to use a Windows PC there, uh, and and I want to look at my task list, or I want to add a few things, or I want to check some things off. Uh, and to date, we have not really had a good solution for customers for that. So uh, details in the blog post. But yes, mm -hmm. we are building a limited OmniFocus for the web. It's not okay. going to have all of the custom perspectives, and you won't be able to. Um, it's not meant to be its own standalone thing. It's meant to be uh, a tool that you can use in partnership with uh, with our existing OmniFocus apps. Okay. When you're sort of away from home, we call it, uh -huh. and, and you need to access that data. Will this uh, cost extra for OmniFocus users? It's going to cost extra for us uh, us to provide it. So yeah. So we're going to need to um, we need that to be self supporting. So mm -hmm. yeah, we will be charging some. Some fee. I don't know what that fee will be yet because yeah. we have not uh, worked out what all those costs are yet. Sure, um, but um, hopefully not unreasonable. <laughs> and right. uh, yeah, uh, and it will of course be optional. We're not we're not making turning OmniFocus into a subscription priced app or something. This mm -hmm. is um, this is an optional fee for those who who want that remote access and and need then for us to provide this new service. Given how often this comes up, I think it's going to make a lot of people happy. I hope so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot I, of work to, if they didn't make them happy. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> but, uh, so. you know, again, it certainly, it wouldn't have to be the whole experience. I mean, if you're at work, maybe you just do need to see what's on tap for today or check a few things off or something. Uh, I think that's great. Yeah, I think for most people, if you're able to access uh, your custom lists under your tags, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and to be able to add new things to uh, to your projects or inbox and, and manipulate things there, then uh, well, we'll see. I, I yeah. love to. I would love to hear from people who uh, who are interested in this and and to get feedback about whether um, this sounds like something that that um, that they're interested in. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So, will we be doing a beta testing a test flight thing for OmniFocus? Uh, <laughs> Of course we will. Yes, <laughs> I'm starting to be uh, a little. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> I shouldn't joke on, in in this context. Yes, uh, we expect to start the test flight um, for OmniFocus three w this quarter. Okay. So sometime, in, and since the first month is now uh, approaching its end, uh, that means within the next two months, March. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, Let's see. And in the show notes, I'll put a link to, well, to the blog posts, which then have a link to the test flight sign up, so people can 
can check that yeah, out. Yeah, in fact, we've already started laying the groundwork for that with uh, with some test flight builds of OmniFocus 2 that are sync compatible with OmniFocus 3 because we don't want people to have to throw out all of their... Yeah, you know, We want people to be able to use their existing databases and sync back and forth between OmniFocus 3 and OmniFocus 2. Oh, okay. um, in case there's a bug they run into in OmniFocus 3, they can sure. work around it by just going to OmniFocus 2 and, and doing the work there. So OmniFocus is also, I, I've noticed, very good about making backups of things too. So yeah, you know, the, uh, always treat beta software carefully, but it does back the data up, which is good. Yeah, it, since we live in these apps ourselves, it's always been important to us to make sure that this data gets preserved. So, uh, so in OmniFocus for Mac, for example, I think it does uh, daily backups for a month or something. I don't. Mm, yeah, something like that. They, uh, lots of checkpoints that you can get back to in case mm. something isn't what you the way you expect it. So, well, that just about covers it. I think. Am I forgetting anything important? I Are we going to have cake in 2018? I think that covers the roadmap. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm sure we'll have cake from we'll time to cake. time. It'll at least be cookies. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, and Ken. And mac and cheese. And mac and cheese, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's food so good every day. Today was Greek lunch. I love, and hummus and everything. So good. Yeah, Greek lunch is one of my favorite meals yeah, here. Yeah, Of course, uh, another of my favorites is the farmer's lunch, which is just like a whole bunch of different things, cheeses and cold cuts and breads and stuff. The only problem with that is that's, that's the one where the line is super slow. It's like, <laughs> it's true, oh, it's farmer's yeah. lunch. Oh, hmm, hmm, all right. All right, I'll set a timer for 15 minutes and come up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Siri, remind me. Oh, sorry, listeners. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ken. How can people find you on the web? Well, of course, if they follow the show notes, the blog post, uh, I'll have some notes there about how to find that. But, but you can find me on Twitter at uh, KCase, first initial, last name, K-C-A-S-E. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can also send me email at my initials, KC, at omnigroup.com. KC. Did people ever used to joke about Casey and the Sunshine Band with you? Occasionally. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. So. Well, I'd also like to thank our intrepid producer, Mark Bosco. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. And especially, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Music. Music.